October 31st, we bought our house. It was a Friday, okay? Um, Halloween. Um, we did all the papers. We signed it. Okay, so we owned the house on October 31st. We went into the house and we cleaned it, but we didn't move anything in, okay? So we've owned the house for how many days? One day. We've stayed in the house how many nights? Zero. Okay, so this is Friday. Saturday, all of our friends, you find out who your true friends are when you're moving, right? All of our friends, or should I say friend, came to help us move. They helped us pack up our truck. Uh, we packed it to the brim. Uh, we ended, you realize how much junk you have too when you move because we actually had to take two trips. Um, we didn't even have any kids in. <laughs> That's embarrassing, but we, uh, we, we so make that, that kind of section a little shorter. We moved all our stuff in Saturday, right? All the sweat and all the stuff uh, that happens. Uh, my friends cussed, not me, but you know how that goes when you're moving, something falls on your toe. Uh, and then I had to tell them about Jesus. So uh, we moved all our stuff in Saturday. We stayed the night Saturday night. How many days have we owned the house? Two. How many nights have we slept in our home? One. Brand new house to us, right? So we've owned it for two, not, two days. We've slept in this house one night. Sunday comes, I'm the preacher, so you gotta kinda go preach when you, when you are the preacher. So I, I went to church, uh, preached a fantastic sermon, probably. Um, maybe, I don't know what I preached about, but I, I know that I did it. I went in and preached. Because I was just so excited to get home and start unpacking our stuff, right? So we start, we unload. Now here's, here's where the story picks up. My wife's friend came from Virginia to help unload or unpack stuff. Here's, guys, here's what you got to understand when you move into your first home and every home after that. Your opinion doesn't matter. Uh, you put stuff where you think it goes, it doesn't go there. Just assume that it doesn't go there, okay? Um, so don't be surprised when, the, when your wife, uh, who also all wives come equipped with a certificate in interior decorating, just so you know. And so uh, we start moving all our stuff around. Hope my wife doesn't listen to this online. We move all our stuff. And I find out that in this house, I'm useless. So I go to the manliest room that we own, the garage. And I unpack my tool. <laughs> yes, a tool, one hammer. And then I realized, okay, I've packed, unpacked all my stuff. So the girls start bringing me empty boxes, empty containers. And, and so I, I start putting them in the second manliest space in the room, our attic. So filing it up. Now, I'm not going to be like most of y'all, okay? I'm not going to have a messy attic. I'm going to have a nice, kept, clean attic. The garage was a different story, but the attic was really nice. And so I start carrying all the stuff up. I'm putting it where I want, all the Christmas stuff, all that, you know. And then um, that took about five minutes. So then I just started banging my hammer against the wall so they didn't call me in to do the interior decorating part. <laughs> um, so I'm up in the attic and I look across the attic. Now I am in homeowner mode. You know, this is my first home. I'm in homeowner mode. I have one tool and I see across that there's a stack of wood that is sitting on top of the ceiling. Now, you know, again, I'm not a construction worker, but I do own a hammer. And this stack of wood is on the sheetrock. And I know that at any moment, any extra weight that's added to that, it's going to put a hole 
in my ceiling. I've got to go get it, right? So I, I started to walk across. Uh, now, in, in our house, above our old house, above the garage, there's flooring. But above the rest of the house, there's not flooring, right? It's just insulation, and that's good so that you can fix things later once you own more tools. But I needed to get the stack of wood. So I, I got to the edge of where the floor ended, and then you start walking on the joists. Now, we had spray-in insulation. For all of you insulation guys, we had spray-in insulation, which is a lot more slipperier, slipperier than regular insulation. I didn't know that, but I found out the hard way. I'm walking across these joists. Now, I'm going to tell you the rest of this story from my wife's perspective. She is downstairs, and she's walking down the hall to turn around into our kitchen. And then all of a sudden, she hears, oh, oh, crap, oh, no, oh, oh. boom, boom. <laughs> Y'all, the next thing I know, I am sitting on the floor in our kitchen. Thanks for laughing at my pain. <laughs> have you kept the timeline? How many days have we owned this house? Three, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. How many nights have I slept in my home? One night. How many giant holes do I have above the kitchen? One. How many tools do I have? How much experience do I have fixing holes in my... None. I'm the proud new owner of this house and that hole. Uh, interesting side note, we actually got the, the, house, the keys um, before we were supposed to. And the realtor handed us the keys said, all right, you can move your stuff in. Just don't put any holes in the walls. I got that covered. <laughs> I didn't put any holes in the walls. So I'm, I'm sitting on the floor and I'm looking um, up at this hole. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, it's going through my mind. I don't rent anymore. So I can't just call someone and say, hey, some idiot fell through my ceiling. I don't know who it was. <laughs> no, I, y'all, I have to own that hole. Like, that is my gigantic human-sized hole in the ceiling. And somehow, I've got to fix it. I'm willing to bet that there is someone here um, who is staring at a gigantic hole. And he's preaching. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping that there are others. Like, like we're sitting and we're staring at this hole and in our life we're not sure really what to do. We're not equipped to fix it. We're not sure really how it got there. But it's there. It's this gigantic hole in our life, and here's what I'm going to say, is that it might be because our foundation uh, is a little bit slippery. Um, I'm really glad that Venture is going through, or is, has gone through, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's, it's the longest recorded teaching of Jesus in the Bible. It starts in Matthew chapter 5, and it goes uh, about to, to the beginning, or halfway through through Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to wrap up that teaching uh, today. So if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, Matthew chapter 7, um, 
I want you to read these verses with me. I'll, I'll read these verses. We'll come back and talk about them. All right, so we're going to read this whole section, and then we'll come back and... Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at this teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This, this has been a long teaching. I don't know when you guys started it, but, but this is a long, like from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount to the end, it's a long teaching. It started with Jesus trying to escape from the big crowd and sit down on a mountainside, that's why it's called Sermon on the Mount, to teach his disciples. And we imagine in our minds multitudes coming to listen to what Jesus has to say. What I imagine in my mind is Jesus teaching, and now preachers, y'all got to hear this, Preachers can preach all day. Like, we can, we can talk all day. We've got a thousand stories about nonsense. Uh, and then we, t- we tie it into the Bible, right? Uh, I mean, we, I, we could preach all afternoon. But what we got to realize is we're coming close to football season. So we can't preach all afternoon because we got to see the Steelers beat everybody. Without Le'Veon Bell, okay? Idiot. Oh, sorry. Uh, we, we've got we've to, people get hungry, Right? Some of y'all are saying, amen, shut up, come on, let's wrap this up, we gotta go. Preachers can preach all day, but listeners can't listen all day, right? So you got Peter, I imagine Jesus preaching, and Peter's in the back like, come on. You got Simon the Zealot, he's just mad. Well, he's always mad, but he's really mad now because the sermon is cutting into his fantasy football. He didn't even get a chance because they don't have wireless on the mountain to adjust his fantasy football lineup. And then John and uh, James and John are, are just like, Come on, Jesus. So Jesus has to wrap this thing up, right? He's, he's preaching. So he wraps it up with this word, therefore. Now, I'm not an English teacher. I was not an English major. Matter of fact, didn't really get good grades in English. But therefore is this word that shows consequence, right? I run, therefore, whatever. Some of you are fit because you run. Uh, some of you sweat a lot because you run. I run, therefore, I'm angry because I chose to run. Or... <laughs> I eat a lot, therefore I have to run. I run, therefore I'm angry. I'm angry because I eat, I I just keep eating. Um, You get what I'm saying, therefore. Something has to happen, therefore this happens. Jesus just like puts on this teaching, man, this crazy teaching that is against all, uh, all of society. It's this contrast, this beautiful contrast. And then he says, because of all of that, therefore, because of all of that, Here are two reactions to what I've just said. You can put these words into practice, and if you do, you will be protected from the storms. Uh, Your your house will not fall. It will still experience storms, but it will not fall because it is built on the rock. Or you can listen to the words that I've I've preached, or Jesus has preached, and says, and you can say, I'm not going to put them into practice. 
And he guarantees in this teaching that when the rains come and the winds blow and the streams rise, that your, the house will fall with a great crash because it is built on a foundation of sand. Now, here's what we know from this parable uh, from the get-go. We know that the foundation of the house is based on what we do, the listeners do with Jesus' teachings, right? Putting them into practice seems like a good thing. Putting them, not listening to them and not putting them into practice seems like a bad thing. But this morning, I'm going to try to convince you to build your house on the sand and not on the rock. I'm going to try to convince you, hopefully I do a bad job, but I'm going to try to convince you that it might be, might be a little easier. It might be a little more convenient, and it might be better for your life, actually, if you decided today, I'm just going to build my house on the sand, okay? So, first reason that you should build your house on the sand is because it's quicker. It's, it's just straight up easier to build your house on the sand. Now, if you're looking for quick and easy, um, this, is, this is your mode of building your spiritual house. We live in a world that's based on expedience. Right now, gotta have it now, Amazon Prime, you know? Uh, I used to like Chipotle, now I love Chipotle. Because here's what I do. At about 12, my stomach starts to yell at me. And I think I want Chipotle because I like it. But instead of going to, you guys go to Chipotle at lunchtime, right? Is there Chipotle here? Okay, and no one goes to Chipotle at lunchtime? Thank you, somebody. You go to Chipotle at lunchtime and the line is like out the door. Is there like some kind of like sick meat there now still? I don't pay attention, I just eat there anyway, but some people, boy, <laughs> some people boycott it when there's like salmonella or mad, mad cow disease or something. Um, so there's this huge line, right? And this describes also my personality. I order it online, okay? Because I gotta have it now. And I pay for it online. They have a line at Chipotle that is designated for jerks like me. Because what I do is I order specifically at like 12, 12, 15, and you can decide on the half an hour or on the 15 minutes when you're gonna pick up your Chipotle. So I pick up my Chipotle at 12.45 at one o'clock when the line is the longest. And I open up the door and I, I'm not kidding, I strut to the line because they have your food ready. And they say, what's your name? <clears throat> my name is Roger and I, my food is ready. <laughs> And so I grab my bag and I'm like waving it to the, to the line as I'm walking out and people every time are mad. That's me. I love like right now. I don't wanna wait in line. I wanna have it right now. And that's how we do everything. It's how we diet. Like that's why I don't diet because I don't lose weight right away. We, we expect it to happen when we work out, right? That's what happens in January. January 1st, we sign up for the gym. We're pumping irons. January 15th, we're not because we don't have a six pack yet. Some of you might have one in the fridge, and that's why you don't have a six-pack <laughs> yet. Work. You know, we, we want our work projects to happen right now. Why shouldn't our spiritual lives be the same? Y'all build your house on a, on, a, on a foundation of sand because it'll happen right now. You know, like Kevin Durant, 
LeBron James. They can't win a championship, so they leave to go get one right now. Build your spiritual life on sand because it feels really good, and it feels really good right now. It feels good to chase after the opposite of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. It feels good to be able to hate someone instead of loving your enemy because it happens right now. We don't have to handle conflict. It feels good, guys, to lust after women in our hearts and in our minds because no one, no one really knows, and it's right now. Ladies, it's okay to lust after, after the lead singer of the band or the guy on TV or the bachelor or whoever it is. I don't know who ladies lust after, but I'm just got a long list. It's okay because it's, it's right now, and it feels good. I mean, these things are going on inside our hearts and inside our minds. It's not really hurting anybody because no one really knows. Why wouldn't you want to pursue a sandy foundation? I mean, it might fall. It might fall. But if you were to want a foundation that was a little sturdier, and I'm not sure why you would because it's going to take time and it's not right now, you could pursue things like loving your enemies. But loving your enemies takes time. And it's not easy. And it's hard to do. But it builds a sturdy foundation I mean, if you wanted a sturdy foundation, you could, you could, instead of defaulting to worry, which is my default, you could try not worrying and maybe trusting God with the things of your life. You might even seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and let him add all the things that you need. But it's not easy, and it's hard, and it takes time. I don't know why you would want that. You might even practice forgiving others. Um, But you know what? That takes time, and it's difficult, and it's hard to do. Building your house on a foundation of rock is is not immediate. It's hard, and it's time-consuming. And if we're going to try to live and to love like Jesus, you've got to do your best, right? You've got to do your best to look like Jesus and follow the teachings that he says. You'd need to join a small group so that you can live around other people who are doing the same thing, who are pursuing Jesus. You need to maybe uh, help set up and tear down. You might have to join to serve somewhere in the city, and that's hard, and it takes time. You need patience and perseverance to live and look like Jesus. And maybe it is worth it to build your house on a foundation of rock, Maybe it is worth it to take time and let the foundation set so you can build your house on it. But, okay, so, so maybe it's not good uh, because of the quickness and the expedience of it. But here's the second reason maybe you should build your house on a, uh, on a foundation of sand. It's cheaper. Now, I'm not a construction worker, you remember. I only had one tool, all that stuff. I have more now, just so you know, okay, so you weren't really judging me, but um, it's cheaper. Like, the sand's already there. You don't have to go in and, and pay for cement. You don't have, they probably didn't have cement then, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it, it's, it's just cheaper. The sand's there. Go ahead, start building. But for, for the, the person who wants to build their house on a rock, man, you got to take time, um, 
we talked about that, but you're gonna have to pay for it. Like one way or the other, you're gonna have to pay for it. You're either gonna have to have someone come in and do it for you and you're gonna pay them probably more than if you were gonna do it yourself. It is, it's much cheaper. I mean, this is why you should build your house on a foundation of sand because it doesn't take any time. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't cost you anything to live a life that's totally focused on you. As a matter of fact, it's better as far as cost goes. Everything you spend is on you. Everything you do is, is about you. I am the master. Well, I learned this week, maybe I'm not the, the master, but I'm one of the masters of getting things for free. Okay, so um, this iPad I'm preaching on, free. Um, pizza. So I'm the guy who looks in the back of the, the back of, if you go to Pizza Hut, I don't know if they still have these anymore, but they used to have signs in the back that said, if we don't show you your pizza, it's free. I'm the one that like, before I order my pizza, I'm like pacing back and forth to see if there's a sign in the back because there might be a chance that I'm gonna, that I'm gonna get it for free. Um, one, I'm, I'm the guy at the airport that volunteers uh, to give up my seat so that I can get first class ticket on the next plane you know, I've got to spend three days there first. Um, we went to a church this past week and, and, and bought a truck, huge truck, semi-truck. And um, before we left, so it was a pretty good deal. We bought it, but they threw in a lot of extra stuff. Great church, plain church. One Life Church who let Chris and Aaron do what we're doing, mess up their Sundays like we're messing up this one. Um, and so we went there, and, and they... they you know, we're about to drive away in our brand new 1994 semi-truck. I'm leaving, and I put in my, um, my free line. You know, this gets me all free stuff. Hey, just want to let you know, if you guys want to throw anything else in, I'm looking for like a t-shirt, something like that. Anything else in, right now it's time to do it. Mike steps up, and he says, like a TV, flat screen TV, anybody? And I'm like, Bro, what are you doing? Not kidding. The guy's like, yeah, sure, I'll give you TV. Come here. It's like, <laughs> that's why I learned I'm not the master. But that is, I'm, that is a good example of, of cheap. It's free. And free is good. Everything we, like our society revolves around the cheapest, the freest. And when you read the Sermon on the Mount and you get to the end of it, there's no doubt that you cannot get through living out the teachings of Jesus and it's not going to cost you something, right? So why would you want to? <laughs> Build your foundation on, on a foundation of sand and it, dude, your life can be all about you. And in a culture that glorifies that, man, you can be a hero in this culture. Man, the people that you work with, man, they will idolize you and love you the people that, that you live with, even in your family, your life can be all about you. It doesn't have to be about anybody else. Build your house on a foundation of sand. I mean, Jesus talks things about like this. He says, uh, you need to be the light in a dark world. That might cost you your image or your reputation. It might cost you relationships. He talks about this, not hating people. And he might even be talking about political candidates that we don't agree with. He, he, I doubt it, right? Like, he's not talking about those people. He's just talking about other people. Man, it costs something 
to not hate people right away. It, it costs something to not lust after people and after the things of this world. It costs, it costs you something, married people and people who want to be married. Listen to this. It costs you something to make your marriage last. It will cost you everything to make your marriage last. Jesus talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount. Not giving up, not trying to get even, giving to the poor, praying for relationships with God and not praise for, for others. He, he talks about fasting for the spiritual connection with God. He talks about trusting God instead of worrying. He, he talks about believing that God will provide as we ask. And then Jesus talks about making sure that we're spiritually connected with him. That costs you something that is not free. I mean, the connection with God is free. The grace that Jesus gives is free. But when you start to live that kind of life, it is going to cost you something. It sounds like it might take some sacrifice. It sounds like putting Jesus first in your life is really tough and it's really hard. Like, like relationships might be lost because of Jesus. We might not always feel like it or like we can or, or be able to do the things that we want to. It really looks like following Jesus is hard and that it's not cheap. But then as we consider it, what in your life that is worthwhile has been easy? Actually, there's a saying that says the best lot things in life are free. I don't think so. Actually, the best things in life are not free. They're really, really hard. Like being a godly parent, like, like marriage, having, having deep relationships with other people, having a successful career that is not built on stepping on other, on other people. Man, those things, take, those things take work. I mean, living a sandy life is definitely easier, and it's definitely cheaper. But is it really worth it? And it seems... The, the sandy life is all about me. It won't be that hard. It won't cost you anything. But following Jesus, and following Jesus is so worth it. And it will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. And that's the difference in the world that we live in, in the world that God talks about. It's this life of pursuing what's best for you, what's best for right now, what's easiest, and what's most, uh, most easily accessible. And then there's this life of following God, like of passionately seeking, of loving God relentlessly. There's this, there's this life that, that Jeremiah talks about where, it's, where he says, uh, where God says, seek me with all of your heart, and then you will find me. And then, and then you love people like crazy, and then you love your city like crazy. Then you love others like crazy. And here's what happens. In this life, your life may change. But in this life, it will definitely change. But so will the lives of others for eternity. You can change lives for eternity when you build your house on a rocky foundation. Um, my wife and I have been married for uh, seven years. This will be uh, the eighth year in August. And um, I have to confess to you, I am the worst at giving gifts. And there are a few dates in particular. There's uh, the second Sunday in May. Ladies, you know what that day is? 
It's Mother's Day, second Sunday in May. Guys, if you didn't know that, write it down. Um, there's J- June 23rd. It's my wife's birthday. August the 8th, that is our, uh, our anniversary. Um, uh, December 25th is Christmas. February 14th, okay? I come up short on all five of those days. I'm the worst gift giver. I'm pretty sure when I was putting those things in the attic, uh, there was a box that said Roger's terrible gifts right there. Um, and here's why. One time someone asked me to describe my wife as a room in the house. Like, what room would your wife be? Um, and I said, my wife will be the hallway of our room. Because nothing can happen without going through the hallway. Like in our life right now, it would fall apart if it weren't for my wife. She has taught me so many things. She's taught me how to love unconditionally and not just when it feels good. She's taught me how to be a good parent. I'm learning still how to be a good husband. And um, I could talk really all day. I could preach a sermon on the mount about about my wife. Um, and, and when it comes to those dates, it's not that I can't remember them. I mean, I remember them. I actually remember our anniversary more than she does. Um, it's not that I can't give, give good gifts, but here's, here's the thing. Is the question I'm trying to answer is this. What do you give to the person who has given you everything? Like she's given me my life. If it weren't for her, I would be in jail somewhere in Kentucky. You don't want to be in a Kentucky jail. Uh, She's given me like real love all the time. Even though it doesn't always feel like it, man, I know that it's, she loves me all the time. She's given me uh, a family. She's given me my ministry. Who, what do you give to her? Now, she will have a long list of things that I could give to her, but what do you give to someone who's given you everything? Jesus looked at you and he said, man, I got to have them. Like, I got to have them. They are far from God right now. They are far from my Father God, and and I've got to have them back. And the only way for, for us to be reconciled back to God was this, this contrast of Jesus giving his life so that we could have ours. He gave us everything, y'all. What do you give to someone who gives you everything? I want to read this last part again. Um, But before before I do, I want to read uh, just a short passage in in Matthew chapter 16. It's not going to be on the screen, and I don't need you to flip in your Bible. I just want you to to hear it, okay? Jesus and his disciples, um, Jesus said to his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Who do they say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said, but but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? So that's the question, Who, who do you say that Jesus is? Because at the end of that passage, it says that they gave him authority because he wasn't like any of the other teachers. 
who do you say that he is? Because if he's just a good teacher, that's all he'll ever be. But what if your response was the same as Peter's? Listen to what Peter says. You are the Christ. You are the promised one, the son of the living God. Jesus says to him, listen, he says, Blessed are you, Peter, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by, the fa- but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not overcome it. The rock is not Peter, y'all. He doesn't build his house on, on the rock that is a man. But, but God's church, us, the people of Christ, we are built on this statement that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God who came and died and sacrificed his life on a cross for us. And that's worth giving everything to. This is what, this is how that passage wraps up. It says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And I wanna give God, I wanna give Christ all the authority in my life. I wanna make him the Lord of my life. You call the shots, Christ, you call the shots in my life. And I'm ready to build my house on a foundation of rock, not sand. It's not gonna be easy and it's not gonna be cheap, but I'm willing to give everything to the one that gave me everything. Here's my question. Would you, would you today give Christ everything? Would you give him the authority in your life to live your life the way that he describes in the Sermon on the Mount? Maybe that's what giving him authority means to you. Or, or maybe it means today that you decide he's going to be your savior and you're gonna commit your life to Jesus uh, through baptism. I think today we're having a baptism at the Johnson the, the, the pier. Um, why can't you? Why why can't you be added? Why, why not you? What are you going to give to the person who has given you everything? 